And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, choir. Thanks, Helen. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. So we've been on a journey together these past three or four weeks. Um, Beneath the surface is our theme, and it comes out of a book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. I just want to backtrack just a little bit. The first week we talked about the true measure of spiritual health is to get the main thing, the main thing, love of God and love of neighbor. Everything goes to that end. That's our north star. And then in week two, we talked about what you do matters, but who you are matters more. And how easily it is in the Christian life to get those things reversed. Or sometimes when my doing exceeds my being, that's when I get over my skis and I get in trouble. Week three, last week, know thyself. Self-awareness, right? When Jesus said, hey, you know, don't get the splinter out of your neighbor's eye if you've got a big pole out of your eye, right? He was being funny, but... But it's a serious point, which is be self-aware of my own feelings, my own emotions, my, my own weaknesses before I start messing with other people, right? And really the thing last week to drive home was that, that the, emotions are a gift. Sometimes we're, t- we're taught not to trust our emotions or to ignore our, our emotions. And I think quite the opposite, and, and so does this author when he you know, that God oftentimes is coming at us through our emotions. So pay attention. So today, so today, uh, and next week will be our last, our last in this series. Today is going to be embrace your limits. Embrace your limits. Phil Hansen says, sometimes you need to be limited in order to become limitless. None of us can do Everything, all the time, for everybody. Indeed, even churches can't be that, right? But find a few good, deep, loving, impactful things to do for others in this world and go deep. Better to have one 60-foot well than ten six-foot wells, right? Embrace your limits. Core mark of... Emotionally healthy discipleship is deep, deeply theological, and it's practical, and it's understanding our limits. Early on in my pastorate, I did not understand this concept. I was, I mean, you think I got energy today. Oh my gosh, you should have seen me when I was 27, 28. I was like, whoa, here comes Bruce, you know, and I was just exploding with all these ideas, wearing myself out. They called me, I forget, what, what is it like the, the Labrador Retriever that like fetches everything? You know, somebody has an idea and I would, be, I would be like the fetcher. I'd be the Labrador Retriever. I'd go get it and get after it and come back. And I was exhausting myself to the point that I was good for nobody because I was trying to be everything to everybody. When you do everything, really you're not doing everything anymore. You're just doing nothing real fast is what I learned in my own time, uh, on phase there. Healthy limits. 
Our boundaries are important in every area of your life. Work, at home, marriage, friendships, singleness. Whatever role you play and whatever you do, limits help you, right? Depend on other people. They help you not exhaust yourself or stretch these relationships to the point of breaking. Now that sounds like something like your granddad or grandmother would tell you, and they probably did, and it's good. My granddad told me, said, Bruce, just learn, please learn the 13th and 14th letters of the alphabet and learn how to say it. And you know what those letters are, right? N and O, right? No. No is an okay response. Learn your limits. But there's something also deeply, deeply theological about good boundaries and our own limits. What I can do. When I remember my limits, I remember that I am not God. Only God is God. I'm not the creator. I'm a creature. And accepting this deep truth reminds me of that. God alone is in charge of this world. Y'all remember Bruce Almighty, the movie? You remember he wanted to be God. All of a sudden he was just getting email after email. Overwhelmed. Could not handle it. Friend of mine, Brad Corbin, he's a Methodist pastor in the Delta. I love this because I particularly, and we've all struggled with limits, right? We all struggle with them, but they're different struggles. But I'm particularly being the baby child in my family for a long time. I just want to make everybody happy. I just want to make everybody get along. I feel very responsible for the emotions and reactions of other people in the room. Here's what Brad Corbin wrote two days ago, and, uh, and I love this, on his Facebook. Good news. You are not responsible for anybody else's feelings. Go and be free from trying to control someone else's emotional experience of life. You can't and should not try to control others. He goes on. The wonderful thing is they'll love you for it. People hate being controlled and emotionally manipulated. You are only responsible to be kind and to be honest. You control yourself. You are responsible for your own feelings. You don't make anyone else responsible for your feelings, which would be another way of controlling and manipulating them. Never say, you made me feel blank, because it's not true. We respond emotionally to events because of our own particular internal belief and values. When you give someone the freedom to experience life on their own, you become a better listener and companion. When you don't give them responsibility for your feelings, you give them freedom from having to tiptoe on eggshells around you. By giving others and yourself this freedom, you get to focus on true kindness and you allow others to focus on their own expressions of kindness. It's a win-win, says Brad Corbin. Peace out, is what he said. on his. I learned this expression not too long ago and almost saved my life. I wonder if you've ever heard this, uh, this expression. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Anybody ever said that? Somebody come up to you and want you to fix something for them? Not my circus, not my monkeys. It doesn't mean that you don't care about that person. It just means that you're not God. What a gift. What a gift. Adam and Eve. Three chapters in the Bible. Perfect 
Eden, what could go wrong in just a few scriptures in? We got a lot of stuff going haywire. Adam and Eve's original sin was really not to trust God's limits. Indeed, they defied them. God gave them everything. All this beautiful lush garden with one limit that he doesn't explain. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And the serpent slithers over, right? Did God really say that? Did you hear God? That sounds so foolish. Serpent goes on. God doesn't want you to eat it because God knows if you do, you will be what? Equal with God. Your eyes will be opened. Rather than accepting the limit, Adam and Eve became convinced that God might be withholding something from them. They succumbed to the evil one's temptation and chose to be like God, to be unlimited. Fortunately, the story doesn't end with Adam. You'll recall that Christ faced his temptation, temptation not in Eden, but in the wilderness, in the desert. And the devil continued each day after he was famished to get him to do things that don't sound too bad. Turn these stones into bread. Aren't you hungry? You hadn't eaten in 40 days. Doesn't it say uh, to do that, to do good things? But he said no. And then the devil took him to the top of a temple and said, look, if you'll just jump off. And the devil started quoting scripture. So beware of that. Even the devil knows scripture, right? So you fall off. God's going to catch you. It says right there in the Psalms that God will catch you. And then people, you'll be a rock star, Jesus. And he says, no. And then the devil says, look, just worship me and I'll give you all the power you need to control this world. And Jesus said, no. He embraced his limits. He embraced his limits. John the baptizer offers a wonderful example of what it means to embrace God's gift of limits. You remember John the baptizer was attracting all these crowds until Jesus came. And then all the crowds started following Jesus. And one of John's followers just got really panicky and said, we need to stop this. You're losing all your followers, right? They said, they complained to John, everybody's following him. But out of a theology of limits, John the, ba- John the Baptist said this, a person can receive only what is given from them from heaven. It's kind of another way of saying this, I think. John says, I accept my limits, my humanity, my declining popularity. I am not the center of the world. God is. He must increase. I must decrease. Paul had a thorn when he was writing letters, he talked about this thorn. There have been scholars that have been guessing what that was. What, did he have epileptic, epileptic seizures? Did he have some sort of a disease? What was going on in Paul's life? And yet, and yet Paul accepted that. He shared it. Indeed, uh, as people were trying to de, uh, uh, decredit him and discredit him and his character, he openly admitted that he was limited and that his body, his mind, so he wasn't perfect. That wasn't the thing at all. And out from that, he penned one of the most beautiful things in all of Scripture. He wrote, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power has been made perfect in weakness. So what about you? 
What are your limits? Health, mental, physical, spiritual, career-wise. Where do your limits hit? Life has always been about limits. It's what makes us human. When I turned 40, I had to start getting reading glasses. I could not believe I had to use these things to start to read. Like, why do my eyes not focus? Um, in my 20s, though, like I said, I had all kind of energy, but I had no experience. And now that I'm getting older, right, um, now I've got experience, but I, I don't quite have the energy that I had. My body aches and doesn't heal quite as quickly, but it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Limits have taught me something about experiencing the goodness of God. Limits are what help me depend on you and you on me and us on each other. There are some limits that we receive and we need to submit joyfully as God's invitation to trust God. You know, I'm just never going to be maybe everything that I ever dreamed I could be and that's okay. There's also dr limits though that God is calling me to break through by faith so that others might know Him or so that I might become the person he intends. In the first in instance, it takes a lot of maturity to say, no, I can't. We can't accept every good cause that comes our way as a church. One time David wanted to build a temple for God. God, he had, he had power, popularity, workers, wealth, everything. You know what God said? Nope, not time. I do not want you to build me a temple that would happen later. My weaknesses remind me to trust God's timetable over my timetable. It's a crucial question. Limits can often give us the greatest gifts in disguise. One time they asked Stevie Wonder. He was asked if he could have regained his sight through some operation when he was a child. Would he have taken it? And he answered no. No, I wouldn't do that. Because he said, what I lacked in eyesight, I gained in listening. I don't know, he says, if I would have ever written any music had I not lost my sight. That impairment, he said, forced me to see the world in a radically different light. Our limits shape us. Stevie lived out of a second side of limitations. We work through them and break through to something greater, like Sarah and Abraham did when they couldn't have children, didn't think they could. Or Mary, who was having a child way too early, right? Or Timothy, who really battled fear and was intimidated by other people, and Paul rooted him on. We have to discern what limits to overcome and which to accept. Did you know in the United Methodist hymnal, the serenity prayer is in there? I'm not going to say it to you, but boy, that's a, that's a great one to look up. That's a great one to Google. The wisdom to know what I can control and what I can't and to be okay with that. Jesus talked about limits when he said, take up your cross and follow me. Because the cross was the ultimate sign of weakness, pain, suffering, and humiliation. Henry Nouwen said this, Taking up your cross means, first of all, be befriending your wounds and letting them reveal to you your own faith. I love the word befriending. 
Because we don't work with and through our weaknesses alone. We befriend our weaknesses because we have a friend who walks with us to overcome them. I want to end with uh, actually a play that I have, have not seen yet. Has anybody seen Wicked? Raise your hand. You seen Wicked? Okay, some of you have seen them. I've listened to all the music in Wicked, and it's awesome. It's awesome music. One of the last songs that is sung is called For Good. And really, it's the, to summarize it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about uh, the witches in the land of Oz. It's about uh, Elphaba and Galinda, you know, the, the bad witch and the good witch, and they're, they're, they're working through some things. And so they sing a duet called For Good. And I think this is so wickedly beautiful, if I may use that term. It's so awesome. Because I could see us telling each other this as we deal with our own limitations and weaknesses. The song goes, I'm limited, just look at me. I'm limited, just look at you. I've heard it said that people come into our lives for a reason, bringing something we must learn. And we are led to those who help us most to grow if we let them and we help them in return. I know who I am today because I knew you. Because I knew you, I have been changed for good. You are like a handprint on my heart. Because I knew you, I have been changed for good. Embrace your limits. Or better yet, let your limits embrace you. Because the God who has no limits, who carries us, will complete us and work even through our broken places so that others might know, so that others might be changed for good. Let us pray. Oh God, we're all just limited people. That's what makes us human beings. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. Lord, we're limited church. And that's nothing to be ashamed of either. Help us to see that your power shines even in our weaknesses so that the light can shine through. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I invite us to stand and sing our closing.